When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Latin American History Podcast, episode 13, The Inca, part 1. So now we've completed a lightning-fast rundown of the pre-Incan people of the Andean region. The stage is now set for the most famous civilization of the region to burst onto the scene. Now the Inca are well known, but I think perhaps the scale of their achievements is underappreciated. They created the largest empire in the Americas. It stretched all the way from Argentina to Colombia. There are certainly parallels with the Aztec. They both created these huge states, but these were short-lived. Despite this, however, they built an extremely organised society with strong institutions, and they left us behind impressive monuments and ruins. In this episode... We're going to examine their history. We're going to leave the discussion of how their society worked until later episodes. Today we're just going to chart their rise from a small nomadic people up to the great empire they would become. The very earliest origins of the Inca, like with all civilizations, are shrouded in mystery. There are stories and characters, but how much is truth and how much is myth is unknown. It's thought that the Inca were originally a small, nomadic people who moved around the mountains of Peru. In the late 13th century, their leader, Manco Capac, led them to the site of modern-day Cusco, and they decided to settle there. This story is embellished in Inca legend, and in some accounts includes Manco Capac turning his brothers into stone. In another, he is said to have been the son of Inti, the Incan sun god. It is even harder to discern which parts of the myths have truth to them, as there are several different stories. All involve Manco Capac, and all end in the foundation of Cusco and the Inca state, but they don't seem to agree on much else. The general thrust of the story, the Inca people settling down in Cusco, is probably true, but we are unsure if Manco Capac was a real figure or not. Real or not, he is considered to be the first Inca. You see, the people we call the Inca did not call themselves by that name. 
they called their empire Tawatinsuyu. Inca is the Quechua, the language which they spoke, word for ruler, and the Spanish lazily applied the term to the empire and its people as a whole. I will equally lazily apply it this way from now on, as it's a lot easier than having to say Tawantisuyu over and over again. Manco Capac is not known to have done much else after leading his people to their new home, and the Inca title passed to his son, Sinchi Roca. This was to be the preferred method of succession in the Inca Empire, with the son inheriting the whole empire from his father. While he had provided his people with a new homeland and a new settled way of living, when Manco Capac died, the Inca was still in a precarious position. Their city-state was a small one, and was situated in a valley that was home to other, larger powers. The Huari Empire had collapsed and left many successor states behind. None could rival what the Huari had achieved, but most were larger and better established than the Inca. This state of affairs would remain for a long time, and although small military conquests were made here and there, it would be two centuries before the Inca started to explode out of their immediate surroundings. Cusco, however, and the culture of the Inca was taking shape during these years. Sinchi Roca is said to have built the Royal House of the Sun, the great temple that stood in the centre of Cusco, dedicated to Inti, the favoured god of the Inca. Thanks to the myths that claimed Manco Capac to be the son of Inti, all his descendants could also claim to be descendants of the sun god. Just as European kings claimed that God willed them to be on the throne in order to justify their social status, the Inca royal family derived legitimacy from the claim that they were not just men, they were part deity. We refer to the Incan state during this intermediate period, before expansion took place, as the Kingdom of Cusco. Historians disagree, but there may have been a change of dynasty during this period, with one ruling family replacing another. Despite the fact that the Kingdom of Cusco was a long-lived entity, our knowledge of it is hazy. It's estimated that the state was home to around 10,000 people, and most of their energy was put into simply surviving. Sufficient food is difficult to come by in these high valleys, and so terraced fields were carved out of the mountain slopes. Marshes were drained to provide further space to grow crops. As time went on, the Sun Temple, their most impressive building, was gradually expanded by successive rulers. Roads were built to link the peripheral parts of the kingdom, and a civil service led by Curacas, roughly equivalent to local governors, was created. This was also the time that the Inca moved from building with adobe to using stone. They would later become master masons with knowledge of advanced stone-cutting techniques, and examples of this can still be seen in Cusco today. While Incan culture was forming and solidifying, militarily it was stagnant. All this changed with the war against the Chanca. The Chanca were a confederation of closely related ethnic groups who lived nearby to Cusco. They were a tribal people, 
lacking the organised society of the Huari who had previously ruled the area. It is thought that they started encroaching on Inca land during the reign of Viracocha Inca, leading to conflict. This was a frightening proposition for the Inca, who were probably outnumbered. In 1438, the Chanca mounted a determined invasion. Viracocha was nearing the end of his rule at the time. He was in fact co-ruling the kingdom with his son and heir, Inca Urco. Viracocha was named for the Incan creator god, and his reign had been a steady one. When news of the invasion reached him, he was advised to leave the palace, and so he fled along with Inca Urco. As you might expect, this caused confusion amongst the Inca people, and things were looking grim. Into the breach stepped Kusi Yupanqui, a previously irrelevant son of Viracocha. Against the odds, Kusi managed to fight off the Chanka and defend Cusco. According to legend, the stones of the city walls were transformed into warriors who helped turn the tide of the battle. Kusi's bravery persuaded his father to rethink the inheritance arrangements, and he was made heir to the kingdom of Cusco. It also earned him the title Pachacuti, or Earthshaker in English. Urko was soon killed by another of the brothers who had helped to defend the city, and Viracocha died soon afterwards. Pachacuti was now in charge. The defence of Cusco was just a foreshadowing of what was to come. Pachacuti is probably the most famous Inca, and rightly so. It was he who turned the kingdom of Cusco into the Incan Empire and his achievements far surpassed any of his predecessors. After defeating the Chanca and securing the valleys around Cusco, he marched south towards Lake Titicaca. After Tiwanaku had fallen, the Aymara people had organised themselves into a collection of small successor kingdoms. On what is now the Peruvian side of the lake, the two most important were Coya and Lupaca, Pachacuti conquered both and incorporated the area into the Inca Empire. His reign would last 33 years, and during this time, the empire thrived. Cusco grew exponentially, and new settlements grew up all over the place. It is also thought that it was Pachacuti who commissioned the building of Machu Picchu. It may have been a royal estate for him to retreat to, although it seems at some point it was lived in by a reasonably sized population. In fact, its exact purpose is still debated, and alongside royal buildings and settlements, there was also religious buildings at the site. Perhaps Pachacuti built it for himself, and then later its purpose changed. Eight years before his death, Pachacuti put his son, Tupac Inca Yupanqui, in charge of the army, and possibly made him co-emperor. Tupac was a man as talented as his father, and he vowed to march until he'd conquered up to the furthest seas. Before we go any further, yes, there is a link to Tupac the Rapper. Tupac was a common name among Inca nobles, and in the 18th century, a man bearing the name Tupac Amaru, of high Inca blood, would lead a rebellion against the Spanish. Tupac the Rapper's mother was a Black Panther, 
and she chose to rename her child after this figure. I guess this was a symbolic act of rebellion against the historic injustices brought to the Americas by Europeans, and those that she still perceived to be continuing. Tupac Yupanqui set off north, brushing aside everyone in his path until he reached modern Ecuador. Once there, he rebuilt the city of Quito and turned it into one of the most important settlements in the empire. His route there ran along the mountains, but on his way home he ventured down the coast. This put him on a collision course with the Chimu, by no means an easy conquest. At the time, the Chimu Empire stretched as far as the Incas, at least before Tupac's achievements. Their capital was larger, and their technology was more advanced. Despite this, Tupac was victorious, and after this success, the Inca Empire was truly unstoppable. You may remember that the Chimu inhabited an arid land, and they had developed a complex system of aqueducts upon which they relied to make their great city sustainable. Tupac spotted this weakness and cut off the water supply, resulting in a relatively painless surrender. It was during the defeat of the Chimu that Pachacuti died, and Tupac was left to govern alone. The official mourning period lasted a whole year, and 3,000 llamas were sacrificed, as well as a number of human children. He was mummified and buried in Cusco. Tupac must have returned to the capital to solidify his rule and take part in the mourning. However, he did not slow down for long. He returned north to defeat the Chachapoya, and then turned his attention southwards. He launched campaign after campaign, constantly expanding Inca territory. He incorporated the whole of highland Bolivia before moving into Argentina and Chile. He reached as far as the very top of Patagonia, south of today's Santiago, before finding himself unable to defeat a people known as the Mapuche. Tupac ruled alone for 22 years before dying a natural death. In the space of two generations, he and his father had taken the Inca from little more than a city-state to become an empire that stretched 2,500 miles, a similar size to the Roman Empire at its height. Tupac was succeeded by his own son, Huayna Capac. The succession was not a completely smooth affair, and there was fighting between rival claimants to the throne. Huayna Capac emerged victorious, however, and was proclaimed emperor. While his conquests paled in comparison to those of his father and his grandfather, he proved himself to be a capable ruler. That is not to say that he didn't bring any new land into the empire. He added to their territory in northern Peru and Ecuador, and he even extended it into the very south of Colombia. He would rule for 34 years and instigate many administrative developments within the empire. He built roads and storehouses, and under his rule, the empire was solidified and the lives of its citizens improved. Huayna Capac's reign lasted from 1493 until 1525, and the attentive among you may have already noticed something about those dates. That's right, 
he took power one year after Columbus discovered the Americas. His rule ended when he contracted an illness while campaigning in Colombia. We cannot say for sure what this illness was, but by this point the Spanish were active on the South American mainland. It's been speculated that his illness may have been one of the new ones brought over by the Europeans, possibly smallpox. These illnesses would, of course, wreak havoc on the pre-Columbian population of the Americas, decimating the population. The nature of his illness is uncertain. Accounts differ, and the Spanish chroniclers couch their descriptions of his symptoms with phrases like, Some say, and it has been said. These suggest that they were not confident that the truth of the matter was known. Huayna Capac made it back to Quito before dying, and this is where we will leave the story of the Inca. There is another chapter to the Inca story, however it is bound up in the story of the Spanish, and therefore I will tell it later. That said, we're not finished with the Inca yet. Next episode, we will look at their society in more detail. Before leaving, I would once again like to ask for your help. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it, show it to your friends, or leave reviews on iTunes. This support will help the podcast grow. This, in turn, will help me devote more time and energy to the project. Thanks for listening to the Latin American History Podcast. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.